We might as uh, we might as well get started. Uh, Paul's not here, and there's a few other people, but uh, uh, I would consider that the East Coast people like Alethea. Do you have to we'll work tomorrow? Huh? There's a couple. Got to get up at four a.m. Yeah, so it's going to be past her bedtime here in a minute. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> John Clayton, if you want to give John that uh, what you're supposed to, John, this this is not a screw cancer, fuck cancer, whatever you want to call it, party. Even though it kind of is, but this is your party, and uh, this is about you. I, I had an idea uh, back when uh, uh, you were doing a go fund me uh, before. Uh, you went under the knife and uh, I asked some uh, friends of mine and more importantly for friends of yours to write a poem about you and I was going to put that in a book uh, that that's what they did the remarkable thing is John that some of these people some of your friends emailed me the poem five minutes after I asked they have already written poems about John Dorsey. And uh, I thought that's remarkable. And uh, so anyway, tonight is, uh, it, it's about you. And the reason I asked so many questions is, I heard Damien was in town, you guys were gonna go to the pool hall and blah, blah, blah. And so uh, to head anything off last week or so, I asked Judge Clayton there, uh, go down and get a hold of John and make sure he's somewhere. Uh, and so that's what we did. Anyway, uh, I didn't do a whole lot. My wife, uh, she did the the wax seal and all the fancy stuff. If you notice the cover of the book, I asked uh, William Taylor, I said, can you paint me a picture of John? And he whipped that out one night. Uh, and he used the photograph of the heart glasses, which I think was pretty unique because the title of the book, those of you that do not have it, it's called To John With Love and a uh, recipe truck anthology. Uh, so without further ado, we're gonna follow the order of the book. I will tell you that okay. Victor, uh, just text me he could could not be here he's in mid migraine he's in a dark room and he's going to bed rebecca could not be here she said send john my love and uh john, john you know rebecca loves you uh toby of course couldn't read uh but this will be recorded uh diane she's having some uh uh she could not be here either and uh you, pro you probably know why and uh, other than that i think we're all here and i've got some people that are going to read the, their poems uh to the people that aren't here and like i said after dan didn't i would like you to read your wednesday poem and uh then alethea will read rebecca's response okay 
If I guess we'll meet ourselves if we can, and Alethea will start off with her poem. Okay. Hopefully we don't lag too much. It's looking like a lot of lag. This poem came. John and I did a read with Rebecca out near Albany many years ago, and this poem happened on a night that's done. All heavens and ghosts for John Dorsey. Sat on the park bench with pants stitched in her sleeves, her rhymes felt looking at a friend's diamond. The newly reformed dress skittered across the uneven paving stones, tripped over the hose, and then disappeared. Our breath hung in the air with winter deafening, winter definitely here, as we listened to the animated conversation. We both love coming through the window, coming through the warmth of the kitchen. The sounds of the city, sirens, old houses, heating, rattle size, and the night starts to be impertinent, more the tempo we could handle. Alethea, can you start over again? Alethea, we can't, we can't understand a word you're saying. It's breaking up so oh, bad. Okay. We can't understand a word you're saying. Let me try a different spot now house. I heard kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Made me All right, let's try. <laughs> I thought it was bitching. <laughs> I heard kitchen. I was like, okay, good. Dinner time. <laughs> no, I really want to hear it. It was okay. breaking up. Sorry. Okay. Um, is it a little bit here? You know what? Uh, I would suggest turning off your video, which very often will uh, even up the stream on the audio. Okay. Here we go. Is this better? Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Take two. <laughs> All heavens and ghosts for John Dorsey. We sat on the park bench with panic stitched into our sleeves under Orion's belt, looking at a friend's dying garden. The newly reformed stray cat skittered across the uneven paving stones, tripped over the hose, and then disappeared. Our breath hung in the air with winter definitely coming, winter definitely here, as we listened to the animated conversations from people we both love, coming through the window, coming through the warmth of the kitchen. The sounds of the city, sirens, old houses, heaving, rattled sighs, and the night whispers of the unfortunate, more the tempo we could handle. We laced those things like shoes, putting into practice the interconnectivity of everything and weaving the fibers of the night like a blanket. We talked of sullen holidays, often filled with loneliness, and how some part of that is a little like death, that adds to the death we already feel every day. We shared a cigarette, its smoke dangling like a memory of a friend, remaining like the ghosts of our future. At times, we just let the heavens dictate our course, waiting for the next sentence, waiting for the next faded memory, waiting. Thank you. Uh when you guys read, if you'd like to say anything beforehand or afterwards, uh, 
to John or or about the piece, uh, feel free to do so. Otherwise, now we're going to go on to. Can I ask a question? Sure. Do people hear me? And then, if, do people hear me? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. My, I'm Heather. Hi, Heather. Okay, and I just uh, I wanted to say that that last part, you know, you're culminating into this stream of everybody there and the people that don't. You know, celebrating the one life and the leaving. And then when you end on waiting, for me, it's it's such a powerful culmination because at the end, as I stand there, I'm waiting for the, 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 I don't know if you want to call it that, but like the, the semi truck that's coming to hit me. Doing the pomp and ceremony till it comes waiting. I liked it. I am waiting for the war to make the world safe for anarchy. Exactly. All right, Something Dan, you're up. <laughs> All right. Uh, when Suda Scott asked me to do this, if I would, uh, I had already had the bones to this piece because many, many years ago, some poet friends told me that John Dorsey was reading at the Ottawa Tavern for a Christmas benefit. And I had heard a lot of stuff about John. And so I was like, I got to go check it out. So I had a poem about that and I finished it. It's called Forgotten Poetry for John Dorsey. I remember years ago, some of my friends told me that this great poet, John Dorsey, that used to live here in Toledo was coming back and was gonna read at the Ottawa Tavern for some holiday benefit. So I went down there to see what was up and the bands played and the crowd danced. Then the poet took the stage and it took a minute for the noise to settle like a jazz song diminuendo. But I saw what one can do with a good poem in a crowded dive bar and years later, my search for garden poetry that has taken me through thousands of miles of back roads and thousands of miles of adventure and madness. That search led our paths to cross by way of letters and exchanged books and a shared urging to ignore all the other bullshit, to keep chasing words, and to always keep looking for new ways to string our feelings together and tell of the things we saw. Thank you, Scott. Love you, John. Dan, thank you. Uh, now, John, if you could read your Wednesday poem that was just uh, published in Hobo Camp, uh, that would be great. It's going to have to come from there because I don't have a printer. So, Okay. You were not going to die on Wednesday. Traditionally, somebody has to whether they have cancer or get hit by a truck full of melons on an invisible freeway, paved with tar and blood, smeared on the faces of the dead like the war paint of forgotten summer days. But not you. You are loved. You are going to be fine. And when you do go, 
you'll be light as a feather. I love that poem. And uh, Rebecca loved that poem also. And she wrote a response to it. And Alethea is going to read that. So I'm going to do my best because this poem crushes me. So if I cry at the end, well, that's just the way it goes. <laughs> Wednesday for John Dorsey by Rebecca Schmetta. I tell you that you will be all right. I don't tell you that if I could pick a day to die, it would be a Wednesday. Tucked perfectly into the middle of the week, a small child who tossed off the blankets but is still asleep. Birds chirping before sunrise and all the regrets pulled like worms to the surface. Cancer. One doctor told you it would be all right. No big deal. Then another took it back. There is a chance it didn't spread to bone and brain. The sun coming up from behind slender trees, trees that grew too close together. Let me be the first to let you down. I did death three times last year alone and I can't again. An army of angels standing at attention on the hill in my backyard. Sunrise, Wednesday, cancer, in birds that I can hear, but cannot see. The last thing my husband said to me was, can you bring me my moccasins? Fucking poem is heavy. It's awesome. And you did a, you did a great job reading that. Not that anybody asked me my opinion, but I gave it anyway. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. That's a that's a tough poem, and uh, be a tough poem to read. And thank you, Elysia. Yeah. Next uh, next poem is by Toby and uh, uh, her and Jeff. You know, I think they published John's The Prettiest Girl Poems, uh, that book, which I love. Anyway, I didn't practice this poem, and I probably should have, but uh, Toby sent this really quick, called The Prettiest Nurse in the Hospital for John Dorsey. Each day she wakes to the alarm and windows shot through with morning sun, does a few stretches, puts on her uniform and shakes her marigold colored pixie cut in place before leaving for the hospital. She is always a half hour early and gets a complete report on her patients from the night nurses, paying special attention to those due for surgery in just a few hours. She wakes everyone, introduces herself and reminds everyone who can eat to order breakfast. She takes vitals and gives out the morning meds. Her multicolored mask with flowers and birds makes everyone smile. It's the least she can do. She keeps tabs on the surgeries for families and friends. When patients return from the OR, she's right there with ice chips and medication and a hand to hold. The doctors love her. 
the patient's lover. She grabs a protein bar and heads home to her own flock, picks up fried chicken for a once in a while rarity and heads off for a short nap, glass of wine in one hand, unbuttoning her stale uniform with the other. Uh, Toby wished she could have been here, but of course she can't, uh, but she looks forward to the taping uh, of this. And also John, she sends her love. Uh, next poems are uh, Victor Adam Clevenger's. Uh, it's close to John's brother as any of us can get. Uh, that's why in the table of contents, it says friends and family. Uh, John calls a lot of us, we're brothers and we are, but I think Victor's pr probably it. Uh, and that's good because we need someone like Victor and uh, uh, say a little prayer for him because he's uh, he's having a rough time tonight. So anyway, uh, Jason's going to read uh, Brother Victor's poems. All right. I'm going to leave my video off because I'm a little glitchy on this. End, but good to see everybody out there. And uh, John, I love you, babe. Uh, and Victor, I hope their headaches subside. Peeping back at the thunder's growl for John Dorsey. Walking on bone dry ground beneath the low brown cherry moon. Feeling cooped up from a world once known. You dream your body a bird at night time, waiting on the rain to fall like the blood of all those better days. And X for John Dorsey. Chicken, fried chicken, chicken fried chicken, food of saints, sinners enjoy too. Why all this religious bullshit in the world when we could all just eat breakfast in peace. I'll be back soon. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Jason. Uh, like I said, Diane couldn't be here, but uh, her good friend, uh, Mr. John Burroughs, is going to read her poem. Hi, John. Love you, brother. This poem is entitled Bohemian Rhapsody by <laughs> Diane Borsnick for John Dorsey. Red-haired Viking warrior brother, not of the blood, but of the heart. Shorter than I, but taller in so many ways. Two-fisted poet, quaffing experience like old overholt rye, belting out your life to an audience held captive by your passion, street to street. City to city, a vagabond traveling the lines to the next cafe, the next dive bar, the next encounter, the next chapter in your newest book. Remember that time in Cincinnati when a whole room of strangers sang the words to Bohemian Rhapsody, unprompted and in full sync? You were fierce then, my brother, your red beard full of laughter and love. You, my brother, closer to me than my sister, an only child ever was. 
Diane Borsnag. Yes. Uh, the next poet, Justin Ham, is one that I've recently met, and that's because of John. And uh, I, I, I think uh, I think for that opportunity, uh, he's uh, going to read his poem next. Justin, you're up. Thank you. Hey, John, it's good to see you, man. And uh, God knows I can't tell you how thankful I am, um, you know, to be on the other side of that surgery that we were talking about and, and doing these things again. I'm going to see you in a couple of weeks, man. And it's, it's good to see your face on here tonight. Uh, John will recognize some of the imagery here. Comes from some time. Yeah. Leading up to, uh, leading up to the, to the surgery that he had. This is called Staring Out John Dorsey's Window, or Daffodil, for John Dorsey. I think of them here in the late winter, grouped along a dead hillside, surprise clusters of spilt gold. I think of the Gasconade, too, river of wet lungs and hidden bones, unwakeable in her earth-cracked bed. I think of your mother's voice, John and her long train tunnel silence, the cold egg unrequited barbecue, the balloons of happiness you left floating under the white Toledo moon. I think of a thick new book of Dorsey songs. They'll be as pure as crayon sketches of Charlie Chaplin carrying a red, red rose. Your blankets and your water bottle, I think about them your Pop-Tarts and power cords too. And now and again, I even think of hope. I don't know about you, John. I see it as a raging, dancing fire one night in some October still to come. And our poems are beautiful ashes that reconcile the God who dreamt up daffodils with the God of the killing frost. Yes. Thank you. I think the rain might have stopped. Yes, I love sir. that, Justin. That's great. Uh, John, do you have your cancer song book handy? Thank you. I, I do, but we're currently grabbing an umbrella because there were some raindrops. Okay. All righty. We'll, we'll catch up to you. Tom's up next. Cool. Yeah, everybody, thanks for having me here. Uh, I just had a tonsillectomy 12 days ago, so some words might not come out the way they're supposed to. Jack, you know what my voice sounds like. John, you know what my voice sounds like. Jason, I'm fucked up on codeine right now. I'm going to do my best. John Burroughs, good to see you. But um, really, Scott, I mean, you put together a hell of a book, you know. Um, so thank you for including all of us, which is, yeah, so thanks, man. going to go for well, thank it. Thank you. Of course. Um, this one's called Which Way to the River. Obviously, the title comes from John's book, which um, fucking blew me away. If you don't have that book, I, I highly recommend you get it. Um, so anyway, here we go. Which Way to the River for John Dorsey. Conversations about Stanford, Maddox, Hugo, Embry, and Ardinger don't happen too often. Not with many, not with anyone. Please know when I say it's more than poetry. I mean just that. It is more than poetry. 
It's friendship. It's life. We write poems to feel less lonely. Only we're writing for the lonely. We are the lonely. The ghost of your words will hold us accountable when you're gone. Thank you. That's great, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I had the privilege a few weeks back uh, to read with uh, uh, John Burroughs and uh, and got a copy of his book and loved it. So uh, John's up next. Can't hear you, John. I, I met John Burroughs. I'm sorry. It's a there we go. I couldn't get my Wi-Fi to work on my computer, so now I'm figuring out how to do that on my phone. It's good <laughs> to see you. Um, this poem I wrote about 12 years ago, and uh, when I was you know, uh, really getting into John Dorsey's poetry for the first time. And it references some of his books and some of his poems. It's entitled, A Poem Like John Dorsey. I want to write a poem in John Dorsey's style. So Dylan will call me an underground man. I want to write a poem like John Dorsey just to prove I can, but would John Dorsey be caught dead writing in rhyme even half the time? And anyway, I don't have a Rocky Balboa t-shirt like he had to wear under my sport coat. And I can't find orange pants or a fuzzy top hat like his anywhere. And the Collingwood Arts Center in Toledo where he once lay his head reminds me of the piano tuning school I lived in when I was 18. It used to be a YMCA. And when the last student graduated and the owner died, his daughter, who was every bit as hot as my second grade teacher, dismissed the students, sold the pianos, padlocked the communal kitchen, and allowed the city of Elyria, Ohio to tear it down to make room for a justice center. I want to write a poem like John Dorsey, but when I see the name Toledo, I think of a painting by Goya, which reminds me of how our forefathers taught us to mispronounce Toledo. And unlike John, I have never met Gregory Corso, and I made myself forget the time my mom asked me if I was gay, and I had to Google Swank Magazine and D.E.O. Prava probably won't publish my book, and I haven't finished writing it anyway. And the great Scott Wanberg and S.A. Griffin will never write one with me, and I don't give one flying fuck about Harvey Keitel, let alone three. I'm my own actor, even if I've never spent a night in Los Angeles or in Tremont watching the moon come out on Steve Goldberg's balcony like John Dorsey. And I may never read in the Bowery Poetry Club or have the balls to take a bus to California or co-host a reading with Michael Grover. And I hate 
gummy bears. And though I thought myself well acquainted with the ins and outs of sodomy, I needed John Dorsey to tell me it's a city in New Jersey. It's not easy being a word boxing stallion like John Dorsey, going the distance with Apollo, knocking out Creed in the sequel. It's not easy getting into a ring with Mr. T or following James Brown, especially with a Cold War win, only to wind up broke again, coaching Tommy Morrison before returning to the ring in unparalleled form in Rocky VI. And I'm not even sure I'm up to being anywhere near the heavyweight champion of poetry like John Dorsey. As long as that building in Illyria where the piano tuning school used to stand is called a justice center. And anyway, trying to write a poem like someone else is so unlike John Dorsey. So instead, I'll be content to call him my friend, have a few laughs with him at our mutual expense, and everywhere I go, love him like a brother, except maybe in New Jersey. That was excellent, John. Excellent. Thank you. John, do you have a John Dorsey? Can you read number seven? Uh, let me get this umbrella out of my way here. Okay. Or whichever one you would like to read. I, I like seven, but uh, sure. They're all good. Uh, all right. I'm, uh, if you want me to read seven at some point, uh, I will, but I like three. So, okay. I'm going to read it's, that. It's your night, baby. You, you, you read three. It's a cancer song. Number three. I don't want to eat like a bird words coming and going in small bites. I want to think about girls I once knew sitting in the sun, becoming poems with bronze skin, becoming mothers with wide arms. I want to dream of them all. I want to swallow whole years of my past. No sound there. He's muted. No sound, Scott. Oh, I think Scott's just showing the uh, the book itself. I was. Uh, okay, I said, I'm not sure if there's copies of this book still, but if there is, you guys ought to pick one up if you don't have it because they're all excellent. Uh, yeah, reach out to reach out to Kendall Bell in that regard from Maverick Duck Press, and he, I'm sure he still has some. Next poet up is uh, Matt. Matt, are you here? There he is. Unmute yourself, Matt. I think he is, but I can't hear him. 
Hey, Matt. You don't have any microphone volume. Yeah. Cool here on the birds chirping though. Yeah. Love them Missouri birds, John Dorsey. Oh, uh, they're wonderful, except for the whippoorwill. Yeah, well, whippoorwills are always assholes. <laughs> How you doing over there, Matt? You getting it? Uh, I'm just tired, man. I uh, the radiation's starting to actually impact me a little bit. Hey, hey, Matt, why don't you leave it, come back in, and when you come back in, I think you can test your microphone. It, you, you, you may have it down or something. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's hope Matt gets that fixed, but next up is uh, Bring Me the Head of John Dorsey by Paul Corman Roberts. All right. Great to have you here, John. Thank you for doing this, Scott. It's, it's a privilege to be uh, included in this collection. Uh, and I knew I knew John was going to make it through the whole way. But I, and I knew that because, one, because he survived the residency at the Collingwood. And uh, two, he was married to Debbie Kirk for 15 minutes. And, uh, you know, and I know, and I love Debbie, I still love her to death. And I know she sends her blessings and her, uh, and her she's, a, she's a survivor too. So, but uh, we are awfully glad to have you on this set, John. But anyway. Here it is. Uh, anybody hear me now? I have no idea. Is that better? Matt. Right. Matt's back. Shout out, guys. I had just done one of these, so I thought I was all good to go. Uh, I, I wrote this, John, when I first heard what happened to you. And actually, had Scott not asked me for it, I, I really just kind of wrote this for myself. I, I felt the need to say something out loud. I'm kind of superstitious about you were going to be okay. You know, um, it's kind of my bet to the universe that no matter what was going to happen to you, you were going to be all right. So uh, it's weird. I almost haven't looked at this in a little bit. All right. So anyway, this is just called for John Dorsey. John, the alchemy of your words, the magic of your heart, the guy singing one for the losers, the ignored, the forgotten, prettiest girl most never see. We'll ride cross country in cars and vans and on bicycles and motorcycles on magpie wings and pockets of all our friends. They will make the rounds just like always while you sit home and recover. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Matt. All right, Polly, you're up. All right, here we go. Bring me the head of John Dorsey, cries the populist laureate of the nation from his control deck 
ensconced in a suede and corduroy-lined poetry on tour of Winnebago. A missive goes forth to the populist laureate's shock troops. Bring me the voice of John Dorsey. For within John's head, of course, is his voice, his words. The mechanism directing the discovery of the words in the other parts of the body, the mechanism that directs how the words are rinsed, dried, dusted, fingered, kissed, and polished into poems. Bring me the beard of John Dorsey, its fury red tip and affront to the atomic makeup of the corduroy and suede line turret broken off a hefty endowment and set down on an axle and five wheels to bring poetry to the people. The populist laureate of the nation has a special box set aside for John's head. He imagines himself a literary Al Swearingen holding his greatest leverage in a place no one else can find. But the populist laureate can't find John Dorsey's head. It moves too fast in too many places, hidden out by too many other poets who fell through the cracks. And deep down, the populist laureate knows he doesn't really want the poet's head in a box because he knows he wouldn't able to resist opening that box in the abandoned hours to try and steal a poem from the mechanism, the voice, the words, the mind of John Dorsey, only to be met with those all seeing eyes and that permanent jester's mirth, singing a song the populist laureate could never sing. You can't kill John Dorsey. He's here to stay. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. <clears throat> Next poet and friend of John is up is uh, Chase. He's going to do John Dorsey Goes to Hollywood. Hi, everybody. Uh, can you hear me? Can you hear you, yes. Chase? Oh, oh, good. I hear a thumbs up and I hear John's voice. And it is wonderful to hear your voice, John. So um, I want to thank Scott for arranging this and creating this absolutely beautiful chat book with the wax seal and everything. Um, and it's really cool also to see for the first time a lot of people that I've got to work with on as it ought to be for the first time. And a lot of that I have to thank John for because when I picked up uh, As It Ought To Be after my friend Okla, its founder, passed away, John very early on sent me stuff and worked with me. And I think that that built enough credibility and coolness to then uh, get a lot of the other people I see in this room to trust me with their work. So uh, the poem I'm going to read is uh, called John Dorsey Goes to Hollywood, and it was inspired by the first time that uh, John and Victor came out uh, uh, and uh, stayed with me in my old apartment, and John slept on my couch. And by the way, John, I've got a brand new, much more cushier couch for the next time you come over. Right now, my dog Dodger's sleeping on it, but this could be you the next time you come to Los Angeles. So here's the poem. <laughs> here's the poem. It's called John Dorsey Goes to Hollywood. Walking down Ventura Boulevard, the graffiti scrawled on the sidewalk read, actor Donald Logue is an asshole. And you worried, John, because you and Victor kind of look like him from a distance. And anyone angry enough to deface several blocks of Studio City with threats against a veteran actor known for reliable supporting roles, and people asking, where do I know him from when he appears on screen, may be unhinged enough to charge you with whatever imaginary knife he may have in hand. 
So I remained vigilant, scouting behind every corner before you crossed, feeling like Don Knotts in a direct-to-VHS movie as the world's wackiest secret service agent, scanning the 7-Eleven Ruth for astigmatic assassins who wait in a wait for a blurry shot at, at Donald Logue's convertible. I never thought my neighborhood was dangerous, and now we worry if Willem Dafoe needs to pick up a prescription at the Walgreens on Vineland, or if Julianne Moore stumbles out of the Fox and Hound pub, belly full of whiskey and critical acclaim. But we three, you, me, and Victor, arrived safely at my apartment with the implied insult that none of us had enough Hollywood looks to be murdered. And we watched an old episode of Card Sharks on the Game Show Network. A 1970s perfect hair, perfect teeth college boy won several rounds, and we found him today on Facebook, living in Orange County, owning some company, some tracked home in a once reliably red district. He never responded to our friend requests or questions. What was it like to be a card sharks champion? Did you try to parlay your momentary fame and perfect teeth into an acting career? Did an agent ever shake your hand and make promises his damp business card could never honor? Did you keep that three-piece polyester suit? And do you ever wear it today and gaze back at your youth, sweating gloriously under the hot orange studio lights in that four and a half episode run when it seemed like the cards would always turn in your favor? Maybe the champ has spent years avoiding friend requests from the contestants he defeated. A quiet man who rewinds the tape every day to rewatch the moment he should have kept the nine of clubs, hitting the pause right before the buzzer sounded the and the audience gasped, and he had a to fake a gracious smile and a handshake. Maybe he sends threats every day demanding a rematch and drives by the champion's home, menacingly thumbing through a deck of cards with a dagger. Or maybe he just wants to see pictures of the life he could have had if the next card had been a 10 or higher. That night, while you, John, slept on my blue fake velvet sofa, I thought about how someday, in an anarchist coffee house, a college kid might brag about finding a rare John Dorsey chapbook at the used bookstore, and I could interrupt and stake my claim to celebrity and offer to show him the sofa where John Dorsey once slept, and maybe show him my appendectomy scar and claim it came from when I saved you from a knife-wielding, crazed Donald Logue fan on Hollywood Boulevard. That's pretty good. Thank you very much. Very nice. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Um, <laughs> next, we have uh, John Clayton, uh, who uh, was in charge of John Dorsey uh, this afternoon a little bit. Because uh, I kept hearing bad rumors, and uh, I was stressing out. So I thank John, and I thank both Johns. Hell, I thank all Johns. Anyway, John Clayton, you're up. Thank you. I call this piece "Waiting in the Hospital Parking Garage." We're both sitting here on the top floor of the hospital parking garage, here at the same time, but for different reasons. The starling because it found a sunny spot out of the wind on this cool February day, just waiting to have lunch at a dumpster. And me, waiting for my friend John Dorsey 
to talk to the cancer doctors. I bet that bird has worried less today than I have. I hear others call folks bird brain intended as an insult. I'm not sure it should be an insult. There's something to be said for going through life, not regretting the past and not worrying about the future. I'm not so sure we can exert much control over what dish fate serves us. Potluck at the dumpster may not be so bad after all, especially in warm weather. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Yep. You're uh, my computer is smarter than me because it says you need to unmute, dummy. Uh, the next poem is probably the uh, longest poem that uh, made me smile. I don't know what the story is behind it, but Rick Christensen, you're up. Okay. Uh, just uh, look at a couple of other people have alluded to this, but just look at around this room. I, well, first, Scott, thank you so much for putting this together and for creating this beautiful book. And, and the presentation is everything is amazing. Uh, you're amazing and, uh, and you're, you're part of an amazing tribe. And, and that's what I'm seeing here tonight. It's, it's this tribe. And, and John Dorsey is one of this tribe shamans. And so it is, it is good and it is right and it is fitting that we would come together like this. And oh, you know, it's like the, after I read my first set of John Dorsey poems, I wrote a poem called Anarchists in the Kitchen, which then subsequently was published in As It Ought to Be. So, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, here we go. Uh, we're, we're building this tapestry uh, together. And, uh, and this is an occasion uh, for that tapestry to uh, get a little wider and a little brighter and a little longer. And so I will read my poem, Dorsey. I'm still waiting for the chicken. I was promised chicken, John. Thank you. And thank you, John, for being you and for everything you do for all of us. Thank you, Rick. You know, when uh, I digress a little bit, when I started the Rusty Truck in 2009, there were a lot of online publications, or but they didn't have all of the tribe. They didn't have all the family, all the people uh, that I wanted to go to one place and read. So John was one of the first. MK uh, was one. Paul Foreman Roberts was one. AD was one. So I contacted these people and got their work. And uh, kind of like what Chase said, uh, I felt kind of cool then uh, because uh, I was getting all these people in one particular page so we could go there and read them and this room is kind of uh the 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 offspring of that i guess and uh so uh yeah the, the book uh if you got a good copy it's a good book if you did, did didn't it was like who screwed this up uh but uh the sleeve and the sleeve idea in the wax seal and things like that and getting William Taylor's watercolor just right where the the light of God shines down on John's forehead uh, that's all contributed to my wife the fuck up is mine 
and if you've got a bad copy, most of you have contacted me and uh, I don't know how in the world it happened, but it did. And uh, I'm, I will reprint those and get you a copy because Jason's poem was left out of some uh, and Aletheia's Heavens and Ghosts appeared front and back. And uh, e even though uh, I do admire her that uh, didn't do that on purpose. Okay, that being said, next poem is mine. And it's real simple to ask you all to write a poem about John. Uh, and I wasn't going to include one and I, and I struggled with it and uh, because I couldn't find the words uh, to convey on really how I felt about him. We've known each other. John commented at Bell that uh, that a few weeks ago, probably going on 20 years, and that's a long time. And uh, anyway, uh, this is called, uh, it's a haiku sonnet, primarily. It's called that John Prine song for John Dorsey. You could have curled up in the fetal position or pulled the hammer back like Papa Hemingway, but instead you wrote a beautiful book, Cancer Songs, one to 12, remembering others that danced with death and lost. And in the OR, Wanberg was watching, singing the only John Prine tune you knew the words to, and he was smiling. Next up, uh, John, do you mind reading one more poem okay. from your cancer songs? I, I don't right. care which one. All right. I'll read the one you wanted me to read to begin with because I'm not always cantankerous. <laughs> uh, cancer song number seven. And uh, I just have to preface that this is for uh, – when I was a kid, uh, from the time I started elementary school until I was about 13, I had a physical therapist. Um, her name was Sue, and uh, she died of cancer at uh, 35. Dead at 35. I just remember you full of life, helping stretch the muscles of my body and my mind. In the end, it became therapy for us both. The lump in your chest was still just your heart beating then. Your hair a dirty coal mine blonde. I used to watch it blow in the wind as you came into the classroom and out of the rain like a canary on fire in a burning bush of experience, judging girls my own age by the grace in your step. Love it, John. Love it. Clap, clap. Uh, it's a touching poem. I guess that's why. Uh, next up is Daniel Wright, Bell's Buddha. Thanks, Scott. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yes. All right, cool. Yes. All right. Uh, yeah, so this, uh, well, uh, Jason Baldinger knows uh, the imagery of uh, the first few stanzas of this, and um, 
Scott, I want to thank you for putting all this together and uh, asking all of us to be a part of this. I was humbled uh, to be a part of this. It's called Bell's Buddha. The Buddha of Bell, Missouri knows that lumberjacks live forever in the pages of supposed outlaw poetry. The Buddha of Bell, Missouri will show you that nothing beats a night of beer, pot, and the best fried chicken driven two hours to where it can be consumed by those who will appreciate it the most. The Buddha of Bell, Missouri inspires others to better themselves and understand the human condition with love and empathy, all while that condition begs us to be angry. The Buddha of Bell, Missouri always has a place to hang your hat and rest your head on your journey of spreading the gospel of your latest collection of poems. And the Buddha of Bell, Missouri once called me a thin Damien Rucci, and I still wear that compliment over my heart. The Buddha of Bell, Missouri knows the enlightenment of the Gasconade River and how tender the heart of the prettiest girl in town. The Buddha of Bell, Missouri has done more for so many than he will ever know. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I'm going to say, John, that uh, William Taylor planned on being here and contacted me the last second because where he works uh, at a bookstore in San Francisco, I guess, they got a humongous collection of Bukowski works and letters and whatnot. Uh, from Germany, so he had to stay and work late. So no matter, it doesn't matter how much we love you, John, in this particular case, it's sad to say, Bukowski trumped you out, at least with Bill, because he had to stay. Uh, so I will, uh, I will that's, try that's to. Sad. That's sad, because I've known, Bill, I've known Bill since I was in high school. Uh. He, he regretted it, and uh, I'll try to read his poem it's uh makes a lot of sense and we all know you so anyway it's called dorsey gets his way <laughs> dorsey walks into kfc one of the fancy ones with waitresses and curtains and everything he sits at a table like a rightful king to his throne he doesn't need a menu when the waitress arrives, Dorsey smiles and softly orders a large Coke and a double down sandwich. The waiter gives a solemn nod and brings the drink. 10 minutes later, she comes back and sets the thing in front of him. Four strips of bacon and two pieces of cheese and rather than bread, it is all pressed between heavy slabs of grease fried chicken. The waitress moves to leave as Dorsey raises his hand and says, I'd like some gravy, please. It don't come with gravy, says the waitress. That's okay, says Dorsey, I'll pay extra. The waitress looks confused and a little concerned. You don't want gravy on that, she says. But I do, Dorsey replies gentle but firm it's already got sauce she says gravy says dorsey please the waitress looks about nervously as if in the throes of a moral dilemma of the like 
she's never known. She gives a curt nod and disappears. She comes back a few minutes later bearing a white ceramic boat of brown gravy. Dorsey thanks her as she quickly crosses herself and returns to her place behind the counter. Dorsey holds the gravy boat aloft, holds it there for a moment above his plate like a precious artifact glinting in the artificial light. The waitress watching from the relative safety of their stations. He takes a sandwich in his hands, little waterfalls of gravy splashing onto the plate below. He takes a solid first bite and deems it good. He takes his time savoring each mouthful with drinks of ice cold cola in between. When he's done, he waves a waitress over, he thanks her and orders something to go. Dorsey pays the bill, takes his time with the rest of his drink and eventually rises amid whispers and stares. The sun shines his name as Dorsey steps out beneath it. One pocket stuffed with chicken tenders, the other full of gravy. William Taylor Jr. Uh, the next poem is from a student of mine and uh, she, she read this to John uh, when John zoomed in for our creative writing final. Uh, she's, uh, she had a pretty tra traumatic life and John's poems touch her. She's uh, a big fan of John. Uh, John, through his graciousness, when uh, he found out and she read the poem to him, he sent her some books. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, John can mention the poem afterwards. I think we posted this once, but anyway, it's called Poem for John Dorsey. The face remains unknown behind the words spoken in artificial sugar-sweet moments to pacify those who live with anger sown into their marrow. I let your words simmer the heat that boils inside me. You spoke of a phone sex worker, more of a hero than any cop I've known, saving the life of a girl from her father. I cried tears of acid that day, burning holes into my heart, seeping into my soul. There was no angel in a devil's disguise to save me. Her name is Robin Schofield. Uh, she recently, her senior year, she changed her name because she had such a traumatic life. Uh, she's got a fresh start brand new name and uh, she's going to college and she just moved out of her home with her parents and uh, she will do well and she's a hell of a poet. John? What's that? Do you Scott? remember that day, I guess? I do. I do remember. I do remember. Uh, I remember talking to Robin and uh, 
I really am glad to hear that she's she's going to college and that she's doing well. We we talk quite a bit privately when that in that chat, and uh, she's quite uh, she's quite an extraordinary young person, and uh, I'm just I'm glad because uh, when I was her age, I, I felt like I was kind of alone out there in the world. So I just writing poems. So I'm glad I got to talk to her so that at least in some small way, she didn't have to feel like she was alone too. Um, and I didn't have to that day too selfishly. Um, so it really, I don't know. It, re it really filled me up to meet her with a, with a lot of joy. So I thank you for that, Scott. And if Robin listens to this later, Robin, um, I'm thinking about you. Well, Stay in touch with her, my friend. Uh, next, uh, next poem in the book is a good friend of all of us. We we don't see him on Facebook because he's a little bit smarter than the average bear that we have here. Uh, but S.A. Griffin, my friend, you're up next. And you I'm, may I'm say good. anything you want because you will. Fuck Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John Burroughs, man, we can be in a poet. We can be in a book together, man. What's what's the, what's the deal, man? What's the deal? Let's make it happen. Shit. And gravy goes good on anything. John knows that. That's I right. Seen him walking around with a pocket full of gravy. <laughs> But uh, hey, man, yeah, I'm glad that you're here, John, and that uh, you're coming out the other side of this uh, in good shape because we got more road trips ahead of us, man. We gotta gotta hit the road, get back on the road again. Yeah. Um, I'm going to insert a poem here that's not in the book. I haven't seen the book yet. I look forward to seeing it. And thank you, Scott, for doing this. Thank you very much. I'm I'm honored and privileged to be a part of it, and to be a be a part of everyone's lives. Um. I was going to read something about Wanberg, as he's been mentioned a few times. And Scott wrote this right about the time we met John. He wrote this November 24th, 2004. John Dorsey, birthday yodel. Toledo's own all night ways and means, lifting the weights of metaphors, checking out the scenery as it sings to him, bringing back the sounds, mixing them in his talking canvas, laying down the ongoing process law of the artist trying to keep his or her head above all forms of raging water. The light in him burns proud and nobody will disappear on his watch. Scott Wanberg to John Dorsey. And um, here's my poem from the book. Dreams like ancient children sing. Rest your tired thoughts upon this surreal pillow set for wild minds to run free. Let us tip our cup at the Rebel Cafe, brewing with mad chatter, the coffee spiked with the ghost of Tom Joad's shadow. A confederacy of boiled wigs, exploding tickets in hand, running on Jesus' feet into the artificial rodeo. The poem, that much sweeter for the thorns. I love you, John. I love you. I, lo I, lo I love you too. I will, uh, I will call you tomorrow as soon as I get out of radiation. All right, man. Well, I look forward to talking to you, and I'm really glad that you're here, brother. I, I I don't know what else I can say that's deeper than that. I'm just so glad you're fucking here. Keep up the fight, brother. You're you're gonna be fine. You're doing great. Yeah. 
Thank you, SA. I will, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, Jason Lester Madden sunglasses. All right. Uh, yeah, so if you come to Pittsburgh, I will probably take you to Lester Madden's grave because it's a very distinct gravestone. John likes to visit every time he's here. So this is a poem for you, babe. Uh, Lester Madden sunglasses. I have your sunglasses, left arm missing, tooth cracks across the right lens. They're in the cup holder, dreaming of Hooper's bloodless paperback death. Smell them back with Roy Sider's headshot, signed and sealed, care of the Korean War. I love you, babe. I'm going to give you a call this weekend. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Jason. Uh, the, those of you that don't have the book yet, uh, I guess I wrote John's bio, uh, because most of John's bios, uh, he once lived in Toledo or somewhere. And, uh, I'm like Burroughs. I don't, I don't give a flying about Harvey Keitel. No, that's funny though, but I, I actually do. Anyway, uh, it says, uh, John Dorsey lives in Bell, Missouri, where he's a former poet laureate. He is currently writing in residence at the Osage Arts Community in Bell. John is a cancer survivor and a poet warrior. It would have been easy to curl up, but shortly after losing an eye to that disease, John was back hosting and participating in poetry readings. If you have this book in your hand, you're fully aware John is not finished you were also aware that John writes and looks at the world with his heart, and he always has. With some 90 published books to his credit, spanning 28 years, he is just getting started. i tell you a little story. I text John and I said, how many books have uh, do you have published? And I text him at a bad time. I text him when he was probably eating fried chicken. And he said, I'm eating dinner. And I went, okay, shit, I'll talk to you later. But anyway, uh, he is not cantankerous all the time. But uh, Scott, is, don't uh, Scott, don't you tell my student loan officer where I live? Do what? Don't you tell my student loan officer where I live? I'm in hiding for a reason. Oh shit! I didn't know. Uh yeah. Well, they can't get anything out of me now. That's right. Uh, that concludes it. If uh, you were a reader tonight and you have a book unfortunately uh like we said there's probably half of the books are are screwed <laughs> up and so uh, I, uh so far to date i have uh jacks alicia uh, john clayton dorsey has one of three that are of his that are screwed up uh paul uh, dan wright and Dan didn't. I I will print those a fresh version next week and uh, uh, ship them off to you. Those you have not received it yet. If you haven't by the end of this week, uh, I don't know what in the world happened, uh, but let me know and I will uh, ship another one. Harvey Keitel guy. <laughs> you guys want to? If you guys want to. Say anything to John or 
talk well you're certainly uh that's why we're here hey uh scott i uh, corrected i need one of the corrected books too okay uh yeah i'm looking at my li okay well, what number is yours you know so i'll, I'll number it correctly uh, let me quick mine is number seven seven seventeen okay got you okay so john how many more radiation treatments do you have uh as of tomorrow it will be uh it will be seven wow i'm uh, i'm tw i'm 12 down right now out of 20. right on, man. Right on. So, here we go yeah, they were the first ten. The first half were the first half were okay. I'm finally getting kind of tired. I want to thank all the people that have been helping John too. I'm all the way out here in LA, so it's kind of hard for me to drive out there and pick him up. But man, uh, I want to thank all the people that have been helping John. Whoever they are, wherever they are, uh, I mean, you have my love and respect. Yep. And Dan, if you're not a stoner, why are you wearing those sunglasses? <laughs> hello, hello. Got to keep the tough guy facade. <laughs> Can't let the bluebird out, I say. I hear you, man. I hear you. He forgot he was inside, man. <laughs> it's enough to make you cry, but I don't cry, do you? <laughs> Hello, hello. Yes. Did Scott leave? No, Scott's right there. No, no, I'm right here. Okay, I see. I'm just letting you talk. Well, I'll say a word. John Dorsey, you are my big brother. I love you, man. I'll do anything in the world to help you and support you. You've taught me a world of information as long as I've known you, and I'm just extremely grateful to have you around. And God damn it, you're a fucking beast, man. I am so proud of you and happy for you and look forward to the day that we can go out and do some damage somewhere. <laughs> well, I yeah, I appreciate it, man. But be be happy for me once we know what my uh, final verdict here is at the end of July. Until then, it's day by day. Well, each and every day I'm thinking about you, my brother, each and every day. So are all these other people, I bet you. Got to get some fried chicken, man. Gus's. Hey, I don't know if you guys know this. When I originally named this thing in Zoom, I called it the uh, Midwestern Kentucky Chicken Appreciation Association. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I was yeah. afraid nobody would know what the hell I was talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> That's fitting. Everyone's a colonel. <laughs> that's, an, that's an army I'll probably serve in. Yeah. <laughs> we need at least seven people, though, because we got to find out each and every individual urban spice. <laughs> Everyone's a lumberjack in Colonel John Dorsey's army. <laughs> Does anyone have any book announcements or open mic announcements or? Uh, retirement announcements uh if you are uh, a glutton for punishment i am teaching a guzzle workshop 
uh, this Sunday morning uh, for the Poetry Academy on Zoom. Uh, I, and uh, you can back channel me if you're interested. I, I, I know all the free tickets are gone, but if you will donate as little as $1 contribution, uh, you can you can you can come and and watch me not know what I'm doing for 90 minutes. So uh, <laughs> that's 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 all I got coming in the in the near future. <laughs> John, you got another book coming out, don't you, on bottle of smoke? I do. Um, yeah, it's uh, called Essential Heartbeats uh, for Fried Chicken Nights. Um, <laughs> And I, Bill said he was going to print out the guts of that like two or three days ago when I talked to him, but he had to go pick up his daughter who's due to have a baby in about two months. Wow. So it, it'll happen when it happens, but Bill and I have been keeping in touch. Her first or second kid? Um, I, I think it's her first. Um, and I'll put this out there for any person who might be interested in this, although I doubt anyone in this room could take the time off. Uh, Charlie Plymel, uh, he and his wife, Pam, are looking to like basically offer room and board in their house to anyone who, who kind of want to come look after them for a while because they're not in good shape. Bill was just telling me that. Um, and if I did not have cancer, I would have been on the first bus to Cherry Valley and been the one to go help them. Um, you know, and any young writer out there, you get it's a chance to like share space with the with the true legend. I mean, Charlie's pretty awesome. And uh, so just putting that out there. It's a cool old house, too. It's in the middle of nowhere. Cherry Valley, you can walk and literally you can <laughs> walk the whole, whole Cherry Valley in five minutes. But it's a really cool old house. And there's lots of cats. There, there are. The cats are sort of the issue. Yeah, Cherry Valley, you know, Charlie has seemingly owned every house in Cherry yep. Valley. Yep. Uh, William S. Burroughs owned a house there. Uh, Candy Darling is buried in Cherry Valley, but um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting place. Yeah, when you walk around with Charlie around Cherry Valley, Pam, every place you walk by goes, yeah, we own that place. We own that place too. We're sitting in the restaurant. We own this place. We used to own this place too. So it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Bill Roberts yeah. tried to pawn off some of those cats to me when I was hanging out with him. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I, I'll Bill tell Robert, you, though. Good dude, man. Good dude. Yeah. If this if this was a year ago and I didn't know what shape I'm actually really in, I, I would I really would be there for them. I wish I could. Well, anybody who wants to, like, I'm telling you, man, I, I'm with you, John. It's like, it's quite an opportunity. I mean, don't fool yourself. It'd probably be work, but it's a hell of an opportunity to really learn a hell of a lot about poetry and poets and really spend a lot of quality time with Charlie. Yeah. I mean, Charlie is the more mobile of the two right now and he's, he's yeah. 88 years old and uh, you know, there isn't going to be a lot more time for people to spend time with him. So yeah, I, I really, yeah, it's, it's an incredible couple of people. I think it'd be well worth it. But. But, well, just everybody who's here, still here, thank you for doing this. Um, I, I've been a little just pissed off and angry the last couple of days, but I'm just tired. And uh, I, I do appreciate it, though. 
Oh, we love in there, John. It's a better it's a better world for all of us with you in it, my friend. Absolutely. Be as Amen. pissed off as you want to be, man. You have every right to be pissed off. Absolutely. It's part, of, part, of, part of the program. Yep. Well, today the job description. Today in particular wasn't good because the uh, the radiation machine was broken when I got there and I had to wait four hours. So well, well that's too bad. Yeah. I'm here. And no, and no fried chicken, I'll bet. No, not at all. They gave me like half of like a really subpar turkey sandwich. Well, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. <laughs> they should have threw in a hand job, you know? <laughs> Something. Yeah. At least a little gravy. <laughs> well, that gravy, that gravy thing is a real story. It happened in New Mexico. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you actually put gravy in your pocket uh, no but i got into an argument with a employee at kfc because she told me i didn't want to put gravy on the double down because it would uh harm my cholesterol nope <laughs> and, the, and the double down is good for your cholesterol wow yeah yeah she didn't want to like like Put, like put more on top of what was already really unhealthy, and I'm like, I, I know my own business. Give me the gravy. Well, may, may, I mean, yeah, yeah, in, in her defense, maybe she'd seen that Monty Python movie where they give the guy the mint and it's over. She yeah. just thought it was one step <laughs> over the line. <laughs> no, maybe so. I I've never had gravy in my pocket. I once had a pecan pie in my pocket, but not uh, any gravy. Although that's a great that's a great poem title, "Gravy in My Pocket." There you go, starring Bing Crosby. That's right. In the role that, in the role that he was meant to play. Yes, gravy. Paul <laughs> uh, Newman has cholesterol. Everybody had enough? Well, if anyone wants to come over tomorrow and help me worm goats, uh, I, I can stand <laughs> some help because I'm almost 69 years old and those little bitches are strong. And, uh, goats. Well, that sounds like a good time. You just you give Jason Reberg a goat internship and he come oh, come yeah. work with Blood the goats. I'm in. I'm in, man. <clears throat> I'm in. So how there. do you warm a goat? Do you shove something up its ass? Do you put, give it a you, No, you don't shove it up their ass, S.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You grab them by their horns, both horns. If you just grab them by one, they'll drag your ass across the barn. You grab them by both horns, straddle them, tip their head back, and ho hope that their curvature of the horn doesn't hit you in the testicles. And then you <laughs> shove a plastic syringe with 12 mil of goat warmer in the side of their mouth. And, nice. and then that pisses them off. And, Can uh, we just use COVID medicine for them? Pardon? Can we just use COVID medicine for them? I mean, they both work. But I keep hearing on TV, right? I don't know. It's all safeguard. It sounds like here. how I have to give my kids medicine. I don't know. Yeah, probably. But Invermectin is only for only for 
horses and mega people. Yeah. How many goats you got? At about 22 now. You got a worm, 22 oh, goats? God. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I don't to do it all at once because it's really well, hot. I understand that, but dear Lord, I mean, that's just goats. What <laughs> else you got? Got tw 22 goats, donkeys, guineas, chickens, turkeys. I think that's about it. Yeah. No cows? No. Or a llama. I don't know. No. Maybe it's an emu or an emu. I've got about all that I need in. As they start dying off, because they're some of them are twelve years old, uh, we bury them, and that's about it. We don't buy any more. So you get milk from the goats, or they're actually meat goats. Ah, uh, you can take the, the babies to the auction, and they bring like three fifty a pound or something like that. Do you breed them? Test, test, hello. What now? Hello? What was that? Oh. Hi. Yeah. Uh, my name is Dave. I'm in Kansas City. I represent uh, KC Poetic Underground. Um, I'm the, we're all pulling for you. Uh, and I, I'd like to share with you a carpe diem that I wrote a whole long time ago. If, 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 if you'd like to hear it. Go ahead. Okay. <clears throat> the time has come to stop moping meditatively about what was and could have been. The time has come to rip through the cellophane and taste the raw hamburger of existence. That is. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> yes, there. Come say hi to John Dorsey. Lorraine just got home, John. Okay, well, tell tell Lorraine I love her. Said hello. Hey, Lorraine. Hi. How, How are you? you? Oh, I'm keeping on. Keep on keeping on, man. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Getting tired of our sunless, sunny California. It was yeah. like raining. It's raining. Yeah, we have, we're not hitting 70 all week long. It's like we've been it's having it. It's a bit now it's called May Gray. We had June gloom forever, but now we're getting what's called May Gray, which is which is totally bizarre. Well, we we've gotten up to about 90 the last couple of days. I'd rather be where you are for That's many reasons. True. But I hear that. Yeah, it is nicer to take walks and stuff when it's cooler. Yeah. yeah well, not. 90 out here too as you probably know 90 is more like 100 so yeah it's so humid yeah Care yourself thanks lorraine all right man well i'm gonna sign off i love you john and all you guys love love to you too and uh john you know where to find me let me know if you need anything like i said it's a long drive but but let me know if you need anything Amen. all right brother well I'll, I'll hit your cell tomorrow okay all right, brother. I love you very much, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks again, Scott. Love you, too. Thank you, Essay. All right, bye-bye. Thanks. I'm going to head to the barn and put up my chickens and donkeys and stuff, but you all uh, can keep talking if you'd like, and if you're still here when I come back, that, that'll be good, too.
Yeah, I mean, we got plenty of time left if you guys want. Oh, yeah. Um, I personally feel like we're done. So um, it's okay. up to you guys. We'll let, we'll let it play. But I if if we stop the meeting now, I can go ahead and get editing and get it posted to YouTube a little okay. bit. No, go go ahead go ahead and do that jack i just want to say it's it's great to see everyone um you know chase tom um jack scott thank you for doing this it's great to see all of you um uh, but yeah jack go ahead and start editing that because <coughs> i need to uh probably take some sort of sedative and go to sleep soon yeah yeah that's all good man and it'll be posted now i have links out there for everybody tomorrow morning or so Sometime tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Thanks, you. everybody, for John coming. Clayton. Yep, thank you, John Clayton. You're welcome. You're welcome, Scott. Thanks for including me. Uh, my right, pleasure. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. Good night. See y'all. See you, Chase. See you, Tom. See you, Jason. Good night, guys. Take care. See you. Adios. See you, Tom. All right, we're over. Bye. <laughs>